This is episode number 161 with Mark Devine. Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Oh, hey guys. I didn't see you there. I'm just doing some deep breathing visualization as if I'm diving under an attack boat that's coming my way as I'm going through a visualization technique. Just kidding. Well, sort of. It's amazing how much visualization is in Mark Devine's book, Unbeatable Mind, that we're going to tear back the layers on today. In fact, if you go read his book, Unbeatable Mind, you will get a totally new perspective about mindset, visualization, goal setting. So before we dive into our episode today, I want to mention that today's episode is brought to you by the Human Charger. I was actually just doing some charging this morning on the drive-in. Between 2008 and 2010, researchers at the University of Olu, Finland, discovered that in addition to your eyes, the human brain also has areas in it that are sensitive to light. So check it out. The skull of large mammals, including you and I as humans, lets light pass through naturally. In ordinary daylight and daytime conditions, the brain is constantly being exposed to light, whether you knew that or not. So here's the cool thing about the human charger. Research has shown over and over through these studies that they've done that ear light activates neural networks of the human brain. So when you stick bright lights with these earbuds that the human charger has through your ear canals, it causes a biological response in the human brain and your neural networks. Ear light also improves cognitive performance. It helps get you alert in the morning where you don't have to pound caffeine. It helps with the winter blues for some of you guys that live up north or parts of the world that don't see a lot of sun. And it also cures jet lag. So picture these photoreceptors that capture light behind your eye. The parts of your brain that capture that are also right near your ear canal. And they can be accessed by light flowing through these earbuds of this great invention called the Human Charger. It's a bright light therapy device with super bright white with blue infused light that hits those areas of the brain where you need it the most and releases things like serotonin, dopamine, noradrenaline. Those are released to increase your energy levels, improve your mood, increase your mental alertness, and again, reduce the effects of sluggishness during the day. And here's what I love about the Human Charger, guys, is its ease of use. It's a 12-minute session. That's it. Sometimes I'm amazed at how quickly the alarm goes off to let me know that my session is done. It is so super simple, and no other light therapy is as effective or efficient. And I've partnered with the guys over at Valkey to give loyal Success 101 podcast listeners 20% off of the sun in your pocket. Just head to success101podcast.com forward slash Human Charger Go to the checkout and enter the promo code SUCCESS101 to grab your 20% off. I'm telling you guys, it's an awesome device and I cannot stop talking about it. Go get your human charger today and don't forget SUCCESS101 in the promo code to grab your 20% off. I also want to let you guys know that my book, From Success to Significance, The Ultimate Strategy Guide, which is going to take you through the six vision building exercises and goal planning strategies to make your year incredible, I'm giving it to you for free. Loyal Success 101 podcast listeners can grab this book and get on the path to creating a bigger vision, much of what Mark and I are going to talk about in our episode today. And all you have to do is cover the shipping and handling on this. Head to success101podcast.com forward slash the dash book. Again, success101podcast.com forward slash the dash book where you will enter the coupon code SUCCESS101 so that all you have to cover is the shipping and handling. I've had such a huge request for this book that I decided to go ahead and offer it for free. I'm also doing in some of my live episodes here recently and coming up soon, the chapter-by-chapter breakdown as we go through the six vision-building exercises. And so many people wanted the book to be able to follow along with that. I thought, heck, why not just offer it for just the shipping and handling? So don't miss this opportunity. It's not going to last long. Again, success101podcast.com forward slash the dash book. Enter success101 at the promo code to get your 20% off. Now on to our awesome episode today. I'm so honored to have Mark Devine on the podcast. Super smart guy. He's got an MBA in finance and his first career was with Coopers and Librand. 
now Price Waterhouse Coopers, for those of you in the accounting world. After four years of being with Coopers, Mark left behind the corporate world to pursue his vision to become an elite Navy SEAL officer, and at only 26 years old, graduated as honor man number one, the number one ranked trainee of his SEAL Buds class. So not only is he super smart, but the guy is incredibly physically fit. But it doesn't stop there. Mark is an accomplished martial artist with black belts in two fields and a military hand-to-hand combat certification that ranks as one of the top in the world. Mark has two incredible books you've likely heard me talk about many times, Unbeatable Mind and The Way of the Seal, as well as another widely popular book, Eight Weeks to Seal Fit. Mark also founded Seal Fit, which he uses today to increase mental and training awareness and performance standards to those who go through the program. His online training courses that I have already purchased and been going through on a month-to-month basis, which has been awesome to increase my mental awareness and physical fitness, and I would encourage you to go do the same. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with the one and only Mark Devine. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. I'm very happy to be here with Mark Devine. Mark, how's it going? It's doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Yeah, we were talking offline. I can hear birds in the background. So you're obviously in a much more beautiful place out in Southern California than I am. So I'm definitely jealous here at the end of the day that I'm not sitting uh, with a view like you probably have. So, well, man, I, I can tell you one thing. I'm honored to have you on. And I can also tell you another thing that I'm already feeling. And that's by the time we get done with this thing, I'm going to be very remorseful that we only scratch the surface because I've got a ton of stuff that I'd love to pick your brain on. I think it's going to be great for the listeners. But for people who don't know who you are, tell our listeners a little bit about SealFit and what else you're about and what you do these days. And then we'll get into the meat of uh, kind of your backstory. Yeah, sure thing. So, you know, some people know me as Commander Divine, retired Navy SEAL, but I'm marked to my tribe, people that I train. You know, our thing, the thing that I'm really passionate about, Jared, is Using the skills that I've developed you know, for 20 years as a SEAL leader and, you know, very successful in that domain, um, you know, number one in my training class, but, you know, we can talk about why that came about. It wasn't just because I was some physical stud, but it was, you know, the training that I'd done that was unique and distinct prior to me even joining the SEALs. And then, you know, my lifetime of searching for development models that were, would accelerate my own Growth and not just accelerated learning, but you know, at a horizontal level, but vertical learning, meaning you know, trying to optimize who I could be. You know, early, in the early days when I was into Zen, I called it enlightenment. But you know, the you know that word has gotten a little bit stuck, and so I don't use it anymore. But the idea is right. just evolution of consciousness, you know, and a constant and never-ending upward spiral of awareness, and and then you know that's done both through practice of my own through interaction and teaching and mentoring and guiding and stumbling and failing and learning and, you know, just living, you know, just life. Yeah. So that's what I love to do. You know, that's, and I do that through business. I have two, actually three, but two kind of like businesses that are somewhat established. Seal Fit is one that you mentioned. We've been going for 10 years, training people in physical and mental toughness. And then the second is called Unbeatable. And my book, Unbeatable Mind, was kind of the genesis for that. And that's where I train people in this integrated life practice called Unbeatable Mind. And the third is Kokoro Yoga, which is our attempt to bring yoga to more men and more individuals who wouldn't necessarily or uh, find yoga or aren't appealing or don't find the current version of yoga in the States appealing, which has kind of become a more of a, a studio-based fitness program. So we bring yoga back to a personal practice of self-evolution. Yeah, it's so awesome. And you're, I mean, the thing I love about you is you're, I mean, for lack of better words, you're like a chameleon out there. I mean, you hear about your, when I read your stuff, I hear about your combat stories. I hear about the things you learned there. And then you start bringing in, you know, yoga and you start bringing in business and you start bringing in breathing and all this just non-traditional stuff that you wouldn't think that a Navy SEAL would be talking about out there. And since you mentioned it, I want to go ahead and just dive into that. You know, you talked about skills developed and I know you're big on mastery, mm-hmm. but you're also huge on situational awareness. Mm-hmm. And I can get how that's trained up in combat or, you know, combat training, but you do an incredible job teaching people how to do this in the civilian world where I think it would, you know, frankly, just be much harder to teach people how to do this. And I'd love to hear about your color-coded system that I've read about where, you know, it's all around situational awareness, but how does that work for people who actually get on board with that, they master it, and how's that really helped you in your own civilian life to teach that to others? Well, you're right. It's, it's you know, 
in the military where the stakes are life and death, you know, and then realize that going into combat, it's, you know, awareness becomes everything. I mean, because you got to be aware of where the enemy is. We've got to be aware of where the bullets are coming in. You got to be aware of where your actions are having their effect. And, and you got to be aware of the state of your teammates. And if anyone's injured or, you know, is having a psychological, you know, kind of negative, you know, reaction to the combat stress, which is very obviously common, as you can imagine, you know, most people are, would be curling up in the corner in utter abject fear. But Navy <laughs> SEALs, you know, we were trained to go into the firefight with confidence and in control. And, but, you know, as a leader, you got to be aware of all that, plus aware of what's going on in your own body, mind system so that you maintain control and, and you can lead. And so situational awareness is a skill and a practice in and of itself. So the skill is essentially to be able to determine the threat as well as the opportunities. And at the threat level, we have a way to kind of determine the level of the threat. And that's the color system that you alluded to. So, you know, essentially white is most people are in white and this is like there's no threat. And I'm also not aware that there could even be a threat. And so white is a very dangerous place to be. And we try to teach civilians to at a minimum get out of white and get into yellow. Now, yellow is. Just take a step back there, Mark. Would you say that most people just in kind of general population civilization out there kind of live in that white space? Yeah, in the broadest sense. I mean, more and more people, because of what's happening in the world, are starting to seek out training like this and self-defense and whatnot. And so they're they're moving up until yellow. But, you know, with the seven and a half billion people on the planet, I would say most are in survival mode and most are in white. Unless you're, you know, unless you're a wolf and you're out there preying on people because wolves, generally speaking, live in uh, yellow or orange. But there's a you know small percentage of the global population. So yeah, generally you're right. And so we want to move out of white. Though. White is ignorance. Uh, white is, hey, I wake up, I take care of my own business. You know, I don't, you know, essentially it's just about me and survival. And it's very, very much of a self-centered, unaware way of living. And it's common, right? In fact, right. most people go through this in their, you know, youth and their teens, and then they get out of it. But, you know, you can get stuck there and then you can get stuck there if you're your tribe or even country are stuck there. And if you also, if you just don't try to evolve now, you could even evolve and be like a, a super successful CEO and be in white. But you know, the bottom line is you often get poked pretty bad so that you, you decide that you got to, you know, step up your game, which is why you started your podcast as a matter of fact. Right. Right. So you went from white to yellow to, and you focus those new skills of awareness on, you know, learning how not to repeat those patterns and how to step up the game and to teach people to live at a higher level of awareness. So that level of awareness is to recognize that even if everything's okay, externally and internally, that the potential for homeostasis to be upset very quickly is always there. So you're always scanning. You're scanning for threats and you're scanning for opportunities to keep things in balance and to move toward more balance or, or you know, more health or, you know, staying alive in the context of the Navy SEAL. So how does this look for the SEAL? Is like, you know, we're patrolling to the target or we're in the Humvees and you're scanning, everything's good, but you know that your spidey sense could get triggered any moment. And sure enough, when it does, that's like pinging the radar, meaning, you know, you all have seen the radars in, in a movie and, and it's got like this flashing green line that goes around and around in a circle. But when it pings a threat, all of a sudden a sound happens and a little light starts showing up and like glowing, right? That's right. what yellow is like. When you ping a threat, then you go to orange. That means I go from relaxed awareness, scanning, scanning, but everything's fine. I'm going about my business. All of a sudden, I ping a threat. Now I've got to focus on that threat. Now I go laser. Now, I, instead of a broad awareness where I'm sending my all my um, energy just to collect information, uh, now I collapse my focus onto that one threat. And literally, my eyes will start become more focused. I'll trigger the sympathetic nervous system my range of vision will narrow and I'll actually be blocking out other information, which, you know, the Navy SEAL learns to keep that information, those information loops open, but naturally, you know, without training, they, they start to shut. And that's when you start to focus on that one threat. So in the, for the SEAL, it might be, you know, an ambush or, you know, someone coming at them with a weapon or something like that, or for right. in business, it might be, you know, a new competitor, or you realize that, you know, people are, are leaving your, service and droves because of, you know, bad customer service or, you know, someone had a bad, you know, blog post about it or something. I was just about to ask you, much of the analogies that you're using here do have to deal with combat and how you're using that as far as situational awareness. I was just about to ask you, how would this play out for the normal yeah. civilian in business? And you just kind of hit the nail on the head there when you keep talking about right. threats. It's more about 
things that could pop up on the radar that could sabotage where it is that we're going. It's very easy for me to make the transition or to correlate the business because I've actually, not only was I SEAL for 20 years, but I've been in business for both before I was a CPA. Which I was amazed to hear when I first heard that. I don't even know when I heard it. I was like, wait, that can't be the same Mark Divine that I know from. I wasn't a CPA for a long time, for four years. (laughs) A lot of the time was, you know, getting my MBA and, you know, working full time and getting my CPA. But it was it was very formative business experience. I got a lot, you know, a lot of clients, a lot of exposure. And then because my half my SEAL career was active duty and, and half reserve. And then just a couple of years of my reserves was I mobilized over, you know, to active duty for a year. So during my reserve period, I had time to get back into business. And so that's when my entrepreneurial career started. So I've started, you know, six different businesses. Coronado Brewing Company is probably the most successful these days. I'm not involved anymore. (laughs) The point about situational awareness, I like I learned a ton about that, about emotional awareness, you know. And so now I'm I'm able to much more, um, I get triggered, you know, when I feel like I'm getting into business with someone who's not trustworthy or, you know, I'm much more inclined to do my due diligence and look at potential partners as a threat. They're both an opportunity and a threat, but you know what, if you get into business with them without fully vetting them and understanding who they are, then that threat become really very real. That's what happened with me. And other business that I've started, you know, in fact, that's where my books came from is because I started to really think deeply about my experience as a warrior, you know, not just a SEAL, but a martial artist and even a yogi, because yoga is the progenitor to all martial arts. And so when you trace it back, all those skills, which I've had a deep connection with for now 25 to 30 years have have made me a much more effective businessman. And I wanted to share that information with people because the world today, as you're aware, Jared, you know, is starting to look a lot like a battlefield. You know, it's getting very complex and and it's accelerating. And the skills that the SEALs had learned naturally over the years to make us dominate the field of our, you know, maritime special operations are very, very useful for businesses and entrepreneurs and, you know, for CEOs and and pretty much anybody actually, but, you know, I'm kind of focusing on professionals and elite athletes and whatnot. They're very useful and I'm able to kind of translate them and distill them and take some of the mystery out of it, you know? Yeah. When I started really digging into your story a while back and just learned, number one, what is, I mean, hopefully the listeners are picking up on this as well. There's so many layers to you. You know, you think a lot of times about guys in the military, maybe they come out and they start a business. A lot of them don't. You know, a lot of them just just kind of blend into society and try to learn how to live back in civilian life. I mean, you've got so much depth to you, and that's why I wanted to get you on the podcast, because I think there's such a message there for my listeners to hear. And you're real big on lists. You're big on routines. You're real big on kind of the warrior spirit, which I, I hope we get into here in just a second. I read a uh, an article, gosh, it was a while back, maybe, I hope I'm not butchering this. I think it was uh, Jarek Robbins, maybe for Huffington Post, wrote this article, and he said that there were some tips that you had to really get started. And I think a lot of this does center around situational awareness. It it all ties in together to making us better, right? But there are there were tips to really keys to success mm-hmm. uh, in there. And I, I don't remember exactly what it was talking about, but it was I think it was breath control, which I was just talking to my good friend uh, just the other day about your box breathing. Uh, right. Drew Canoli out at Organifi about your box breathing. And I yeah. heard about that a while back and just Drew's power great. breath. Yeah. Yeah. He's an awesome guy. So breath control, positive internal dialogue, which you don't hear a lot of guys in the military talking about that. A lot of mm-hmm. those guys think that's woo. And, you know, mm-hmm. you just don't hear them coming out and talking about it. Imagery. I know you're huge mm-hmm. on imagery. And then I think the last one was just creating uh, small goal or micro goals, maybe. Right. And there's just so much depth to that. If those are the four things, and I don't know where Jerry got those, if he interviewed you personally or not, but I, that just kind of, it really started letting me see the inside of your mind and how you work and how a guy can go and be a businessman, CPA, Navy SEAL, MBA, all those sort of things, and then come back and run businesses, but then also have the depth to him to say, look, I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to have situational awareness, breath control, internal dialogue, powerful imagery, those sort of things. What do you think spawns that on for you today in civilian life? You're 50, I heard at one point, how old are you? 53 now. 53 years old. So what do you think spawns that on for you? Probably some of it is just your personal wiring and your Mm -hmm. inner workings, but obviously you're getting some value out of that or you wouldn't keep pursuing this, you know, these keys to success in life. But talk to us a little bit about how you feel like those things and other things you're doing right now, situational awareness included, make you successful to just be the best version of you you can be each day. So... Over the years and kind of reflecting and teaching and, and, you know, with the teaching of SEAL candidates and then and then others, elite athletes and teams, and I've done literally thousands of events since, uh, you know, the mid-2000s and just had some incredible success with 
teach it like our SEAL trainees, the trainees that I teach to go into the SEAL program have a 90% success rate getting through the SEALs. And I, I largely focus on those four skills that you alluded to, which I'm going to come back to. And so all the teaching that I taught them was stuff that I had learned or that I learned because I needed to teach them. And, you know, meaning I had to go deeper into a concept that I was familiar with, but I needed to own it. Right. And so it's, it's like there's a lot of things that we are aware of in the world, but we're not we don't know it. You know, you don't know right. something in, could you, until you can master it and teach it. And so because I knew what worked for me to become, you know, to sail through SEAL training, literally, I mean, we had 185 go through my training class back in 1990 and, and 19 graduated and I graduated number one in my class. When I looked back at that years later, because I started to teach SEALs, candidates, that is, I had to ask myself, why was that? You know, was it just because I was a really good athlete? I don't think so, right? Was it just because I was smart? I don't think so, because all the other candidates were good athletes and all the other candidates were smart. What I was able to boil it down to was those four skills. And I'd learned those four skills or variations of them through my martial arts training predominantly and a little bit through my competitive swimming and rowing because I had some great coaches. Now, so what are those skills that you alluded to? The first, the master skill was to control my physiology and to calm my brain, calm my mind, I should say, through breath control. And I later developed that practice called box breathing, which now has almost become like, starting to become like common lexicon. I can't trademark it and I, I love everyone <laughs> to do it, but I started the practice of box breathing when I went into the SEALs because I learned how powerful breathing was when I was doing my martial arts to keep my body calm and my mind calm in a fight. And I thought, well, this is, you know, I'm going into the SEALs. BUDS is a fight. You know, the BUDS training is the SEAL training. Right. And of course, I need that for combat. So by slowing down your breathing, breathing through your nostrils, and holding the breath on the inhale and the exhale for a short period of time, and I recommend doing it at a ratio of one, 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 meaning uh, one same duration of inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Now there are other yeah, equal parts. Yeah, there are other ways to breathe where you can change up that ratio, which will have different effects. But the one, 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 one kind of is a balanced breath, and it leads to very calm, clear-headed, you know, results. So I started this practice, like I said before, I went to the seals. I continued it every day while I was in the seals, and it just had a profound, like utterly profound effect. My body, mind, system. I was, you know, every time I do it which is all the time now, and I practice it several times a day, you know, I'm rewiring my nervous system by triggering my parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest, digest, and, you know, calming everything down, bringing in the balance. Also, my brain is calming down. My mind is getting the balance. I'm getting clear. And I'm also, you're also relearning how to breathe. So you're slowing down your breath. My typical breathing pattern is about five times per minute. So the average person breathes 16 to 20 times per minute. Also, I'll get a, you know, unless I'm talking, I'll be getting this nice, deep, full breath, lots of, you know, full oxygen, and I'll get a full, complete exhale. So I'm not leaving any toxicity in my lungs. So that's the physical benefits of box breathing. But By the way, I think it's amazing how, since you're talking about breathing, I can hear both of us like consciously breathing harder, sure. but just because you're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great focus of awareness. So it, it spills over into concentration and meditation training, and it really helps clear your mind and and it's a bridge between the body, the mind, and the spirit, ultimately. And I learned that through practice over the years. So that was critical. And when I teach, you know, even if the students that I work with just do that, it's transformational. So I've got doctors who are, you know, now box breathing during surgery and attorneys who breathe to prepare for trial and during trial and, you know, business people who prepare for board meetings and presentations. And it's just, it's a powerful, powerful practice. So then the second now, it's one, the breathing kind of gets you control over your body, mind system, but it doesn't really address the quality of your thinking. All right. It will clear your mind, but you can still have damaging thoughts. What I learned in the SEALs and starting, you know, really before that in my martial arts and, and then, you know, of course, athletics, which is why they're such great preparatory type experiences, was that negativity will destroy performance. Negativity will weaken you. The field of kinesthetics has proven this. You know, if you think a negative thought, you go weak. Your body goes weak. If you think a positive thought, it goes strong. Same thing if you eat negative food like sugar, your body goes weak, you know, at an energetic level. So 
the way you think, how you think, the quality of your thinking is extremely important. And my book, Unbeatable Mind, is all about how to think well and how to act with power. So the skill to practice is positive internal dialogue. Now, we start that with a trigger. We'd say, what wolf are you feeding? The courage wolf or the fear wolf? If you're feeding fear, it means you're talking negatively, like, I can't do this. And I don't mean like verbally, although that's certainly a very outer expression of it. Like if you're around someone who's negative or really down or like in a, in a sporting event, you know, saying verbally, I can't do this. Now, that's a clear case of feeding the fear wolf. And, you know, if you're a good teammate, you'll shake them out of that really quickly. And that's, you know, some of our seal fit training teaches people to be, you know, as teammates, you know, keep their teammate positive and motivated and get over the humps that are going to cause them to quit or to degrade their performance. But what I'm speaking mostly about, Jared, is, is learning to pay attention to your thoughts and to notice any time that you veer into negative or, or um, just less than optimal thoughts, and then to interdict that and redirect it and come back to a positive thought. Now, in order to come back to a positive thought, you have to know what you should be thinking about, right? And that's where the task orientation and the micro goals come in. So we like to say, or I like to say, you always need to know why you're doing something or why something's happening to you. And so in order to do that, you need to have a clear reason for doing something. So you have to have a focus on one thing at a time. Now, for me, going through SEAL training, my focus was to become a Navy SEAL, but that's a nine-month program. And so, you know, what can I do today to become a Navy SEAL? Well, it's to, get, it's to finish today. It's to get through today without getting injured or quitting or you know, or getting dropped. And so in order for me to get through today, I have to get through this evolution. And, and each event, they called an evolution because it was meant to evolve you. So whether wow. it's a five mile time run or a two mile ocean swim or, you know, the obstacle course sprint or, you know, even uh, a class on diving or an actual dive or, you know, shooting evolution, all you need to do is focus on getting through this evolution. And then you can break it down even further, you know, within the evolution, all I got to do is get through this one action, right? So we kind of choose the smallest arc of action, the smallest goal that's going to lead you toward success in the next larger goal, which is going to lead you toward success in the next larger goal, which is going to lead you to your ultimate objective. So we call that micro goals and target acquisition. That is a critical skill because all of that is tied to a larger purpose. And for me, it was to become a Navy SEAL. But I didn't go wake up every day saying, I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. I knew I was going to become a Navy SEAL because all I, I knew that also all, in order to get there, all I had to do was get through the next evolution and crush it. And then the next one and the next one. And that eventually, with that day in and day out focus, I would be a Navy SEAL. And that ties directly back to my martial arts training where my mentor, Master Nakamura, said one day, one lifetime. And what he meant by that is every day is a lifetime of opportunity, a lifetime of learning and oh, by the way, you know, in the warrior's world, it could actually be your last day because of the job that we've committed to or, or our service to protect our fellow man and woman. And so, you know, let's make this day count. And in order to make the day count, you got to make every moment count. And in order to make every moment count, you got to stay present and in control. You got to control your mind and your emotions. So those yeah, are three of those skills. And the fourth one is, you know, how do you use your imaging and can you use the imaging to remember a more powerful past, which is going to present you with more energy in the present and also create an image of the future so that you actually can remember your future in the present so that you have this awesome power because you don't have any, any debilitating energy from regrets or feelings of being less than from your past, which most people do, quite frankly, because right. nobody has a perfect childhood or everyone screws up royally in life. And if you <laughs> don't, you're lying, you know? Yeah, you're, yeah, you're absolutely kidding. If you say you don't, sure. you're kidding, right? The point is we're supposed to learn from it, not beat ourselves up. But most people beat themselves up and then they remember that as a, a bad event or a horrible thing that happened to them or they're a victim or they were shamed or abused. Or, and a lot of these are horrible things, but the more you remember them and store that memory as bad as horrible, then it's just like, you know, just stringing all these kettlebells onto your ankles. And now you're trudging through life, dragging all these kettlebells. So the warrior master skill that we teach is to go back and essentially re-remember these 
in a way that's going to give you power instead of debilitate you. That's part of this third skill of imaging. And then also, because we're going somewhere, we've got a clarity about our future. We're warriors. We know what our mission looks like. We've got a vision for victory. We win it in our mind. So we see what victory looks like. I knew what it looked like for me to become a Navy SEAL. I had visualized it for two years straight every single day as a practice until I felt it at a deep level that I was going to be a Navy SEAL because I had already done the work. I had won in my mind before stepping into the battlefield. So then I had to re-remember what it meant to win every day while I was going through the motions of task orientation, keeping my breath, body, mind in control, right? And feeding the courage wolf. And these skills are like unbelievably powerful. I mean, I consider them to be total flow activators because when I use these skills, when I teach them and they're practiced so that you own them, then with just the intention of clicking into the skills, you essentially enter that, that lofty, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Coveted flow state that, you know, everyone is talking about. You know, I just did a podcast with my friend Jamie Wheel and he and Stephen Cotter oh, yeah. have written this really cool book called Stealing Fire where they're talking about how SEALs and, you know, lead athletes and all these stuff, others, you know, kind of enter peak and flow states to do yeah, their I can't work. wait to get my hands on it. I've heard so many good things about it. Yeah, I think it's a great book. But the reality is they're still looking at it as a, you know, as a unique skill that these people have. Whereas what I'm teaching is that anybody has that skill. Anybody can do that. They just have to practice it. It's, it's a set of tools to shift your consciousness, shift your perspective, shift your mind. And those four skills of breath control, positive self you know, internal dialogue, you know, managing the image, managing your imagery so you have power in the present, and then task orientation and focusing on the smallest arc of micro tasks that will lead, you know, link one goal in victory to the next goal until you have so much momentum that you can't fail. Yeah, man, that's such good. I mean, that's just, there's so much depth to all of that. And the one thing that I really loved about that is just evolution at every step means you're growing, right? right. I mean, what Absolutely. if we just took every day and dissected it that way, looking at failure, not as the end result, but as feedback. Yeah, not getting that's all stuff. it is. Failure is not an option. In the SEALs, we used to say failure is not an option. Everyone would say, well, that means you can't fail the mission. And what we would say, if, you know, the thoughtful Navy SEALs, and I'd like to think that I was one of them, would say, no, what that really means is the concept of failure is not an option. We want to push failure. We want to plan to fail because that's how we're going to learn how to get to victory faster. Yeah, if you're not failing, you're not trying. Right. Many people in the business world would say, I'm going to mention two things. One of them is mastery. I know, as I mentioned before, you're huge on mastery. There was a story I heard about you at one point. There's a high altitude jump out of a helicopter. You saw one of your unit members displaying ultimate mastery that mm -hmm. stuck with you. So that's number one. And then I'll mention the second one, and that is the acronym BOO that I want yeah. you to go over with my listeners. Well, this is cool because the guy who did the jump, his name was Lou. And, um, and then we're going to talk about Boo. So we're going to talk about Lou and Boo. <laughs> so my, this is an example of mastery. Now there's mastery over a skill, but in the mastering of the skill, you got to master the man or the woman, right? So mastery of a skill, you know, like, like Miyamata Musashi said, is better to do a hundred thousand sword strikes. No, it's better to do one sword strike a hundred thousand times than a hundred thousand sword strikes one time, because the first will lead to mastery. Not only of that sword strike, but of wow. the mind of the individual, of the warrior who's perfecting the sword strike. Right? Which the second part is more important. I would think you would agree. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. Because then that skill will extend to anything. You know, like you can, once you master the mind, you can master any skill. Right. You, the sword strike is just the tool. It could be, you know, wax on, wax off, like in Karate Kid. It could be washing dishes. You know, <laughs> one of my, I've said this, used this story a number of times, but it's probably not true, but there might be, an, like a lot of these stories, there might be an element of truth to it. But this dunce monk showed up at a monastery, you know, wanting to join the monastery. And he was like, you know, substandard IQ. And so the other, you know, monks were a little full of themselves because they had, you know, very intelligent and studied and they do, you know, they were like monk-like. And so they, they said, well, this monk, you know, he's just a dunce. So we'll, we'll make him wash our dishes. So they put him in the kitchen to wash dishes. Well, the dunce monk was happy to do that. He happily washed dishes. He just wanted to be there. And so, but what he did know was the Hail Mary. And so every single dish he washed, he would say Hail Mary while he's washing it. Right. And so this is no different than wax on, wax off or Mushadi's, Musashi's, you know, a hundred thousand 
you know, swings of one sword strike. He, his right. was 100,000 Hail Marys a day while he's washing dishes. And 10 years later, that guy was the head monk because he had developed his mind through that one single practice. One single practice. Wow. That's powerful. Now, back to Mike Liu. Mike is a friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a few years, but he was my free fall instructor when I was a young green seal. He was had been in the seals for some time by then. I don't know exactly how many, probably like 10 years, and I was just coming in. And he had, you know, thousands of free fall jumps. It was a passion of his. And so he was my chaser. So every time we jumped during free fall training, you know, we had an instructor who would be our chaser, and that was just in case something went wrong and, you know, you weren't able to pull your parachute or the, you know, the AFF, which is the automatic activation device, AAD actually failed. So they would chase and, and you know, kind of pull it for you if possible. Didn't always work out that way, by the way. So anyways, we did a um, a pre-dawn jump. It was spectacular. So it was night jump. We had chem lights on. And so we jump out of the airplane at like 18,000 feet, pitch dark. But then, you know, right, right as we're jumping, the sun is kind of like cracking the horizon. So there's a little bit of that pre-dawn, you know, light in the sky. And so I jump out and I'm, I'm good enough. This is like our, I don't know, 30th jump. And so I'm good enough to start to do 360s and to do some stuff in the air. And so I'm basically supposed to demonstrate. You get ballsy. Things. Yeah, I'm getting ballsy and I'm having fun. And so I get out there and I'm, you know, I'm flying around. I feel like I'm flying. You know, we have 17,000 feet, got about a minute and a half, a little bit more of free fall. And so I'm doing my 360 and then I stop and I'm supposed to check in with Lou. So when one of these 360s, I do a full 360 and I come back to my starting point and what I'm staring at is Lou, not in a horizontal position like you'd normally expect, but he's standing uh, toe to earth. And he's just like standing there. This is the trippiest thing. <laughs> and then he smiles at me like a little twinkle in his eye. And he like wiggles his finger and he does a full flip and comes back to that standing position like that. Wow. And I looked, I remember thinking to myself, what the bleep? Like, I can't even like confabulate how he did that but it was just total mastery over his body mind system and situational awareness while falling 120 miles per hour toward the earth that's incredible and to be able to maintain that that discipline you know of of body position to maintain you know to have that foot to earth I, you know for anyone who's parachute jumped knows how challenging that is so that was like, to me, a, a great example early in my SEAL career of like, wow, mastery, you know, when you really love something and you're passionate about it and you just train at it relentlessly like Lou did, then you can do things which are really, really, really uncommon. And it reminded me again of my martial arts teacher who was a grandmaster who invented the entire, created the whole style of karate called Sado, who exhibited the same qualities. Now, he didn't exhibit parachuting, but he exhibited it in his teaching right. and in the way he could demonstrate his skills of karate. I mean, some extraordinary things that he could do. I mean, I, I watched him put his foot, his leg through six massive blocks of ice. Every one of, you know, 99.9999% of humanity who tried to do that would instantly split their femur in half. And he literally just cut through it like butter. And that was mastery. Now, mastery, like I said, can show up and be displayed in many ways. I've seen it so often in the SEALs. Most SEALs, not all, but most SEALs attain some level of mastery over a skill, whether that be jumping, diving, or leading. And ultimately, every one of those people who attains mastery has to master the internal domain. And each one of those four skills that we went through are involved at some level. So that's that. And then, you know, you asked about Boo. So one of the things that we try to teach, you know, mastery is an integrative thing, right? So you you can't attain mastery and not be physically adept, right? Right, right. You can't maintain, develop mastery without being mentally acute and developing control over your mind and improving the quality of your thinking and those things that we've already talked about. And you can't, and as you, I should say, as you develop mastery, you find that you become much more intuitive and instinctually oriented. And you ex experience like life in a more spiritual oriented way, if that makes any sense. Like things, yeah. you feel more connected. You feel like there's energy that flows between all things and there's intelligence in the universe. Like it's just these experiences that are hard to put words to start showing up in your life. And we know you can't test it with a scientific instrument. And, you know, you may doubt it, but the reality is you can't deny that your life starts to 
experience be experienced more spiritually. Am I right? You know, that's probably yeah. happened yeah, to yeah. you. And many people listening will be like nodding their head. But the one piece that really trips people up is the emotional development, is the emotional control. And so when I teach at Unveil Mind, I say we have five mountains that we need to master, and then we integrate them. Those five mountains are your physical being, and that's including your health, your physiology balance, your physiological balance, as well as mastering functional movement. Now, you don't have to be an elite CrossFitter to do that. You just need to master functional movement so you can move more effectively, so you can sit in meditation more effectively, so you avoid injury and illness, so you can live a long and productive, happy life. Now, that seems like a nice goal, doesn't it? So physical <laughs> mountain is really important. But once what we notice is that we're, once you start doing the physical, then it has a spillover effect to a healthier mind. Of course, of course the brain, the items of your mind, are, the primary items of your mind are, are, or organs of your mind are your brain, your heart, and your belly. Each one of them has neurons and neurological processing, but also your spinal cord, your entire nervous system, and your body are part of your brain system. And so as your body improves, so, you, so does your mind. And then we tar- start to train the mind through through the breathing and through meditation and concentration and then content. And so that mental mastery is important. Now, I've already mentioned intuitive mastery and spiritual mastery. Now, there's some ways to train that, probably beyond the scope of this call, but, you know, those are important. But the emotional one, in particular, men tend to avoid that because, you know, you have to get into those sticky feelings, right? That's what I mean by boo. So boo is an acronym for background of obviousness. And what I mean by that is like most of us are inside the bottle. We can't read the label of our own emotional life. And so therefore we tend to repeat patterns that trip us up and cause problems. (laughs) But if we were just to go ask somebody else, for instance, an expert or our family or, you know, teammates, Hey, what do you see as my patterns and issues that, that um, I could improve? What do you think I do repeatedly? Or what do you see in me that could, um, you know, that is blind to me, that's not obvious to me, but is obvious to you. And chances are good that they're going to tell you and you're going to get everyone to tell you certain things that you can't see in yourself, but they can see very clearly, just like you can see patterns in them that they can't see because those patterns are just, you're blind to them. You can't see them recurring for some reason. Right. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, we have every um, day we have like 80,000, between 60 and 80,000 thoughts and 80% of them the same ones we had yesterday. But it's the same with our emotions because thoughts and emotions are two sides of the same coin. Our thoughts. And for most people, most of them are negative. Yeah. And and they can be negative. And so if you have negative dialogue, then you're going to have negative emotions. If you have negative emotions, you're going to have negative dialogue because one spurs the other and they go around in a spiral. Call that looping. And most people are just looping their way through life, repeating negative patterns and wondering why. They don't have the success that, you know, that maybe you and I are experiencing because we've decided, we've committed to overcoming those patterns. It doesn't mean we're perfect. In fact, we acknowledge that we're all flawed. And that gives us more a sense of urgency to do the self-awareness, you know, to get deep into the inner domain and understand what patterns have been driving our life to overwrite, you know, negative patterns or dysfunctional patterns or patterns that aren't serving us. And write a new story, write a new script, become the author of our own novel and begin to write that script and then living that script, practicing that script, habituating it, and then showing up with much more power. So that's what I mean by boo. And it's probably the hardest part of our training because, you know, it takes real courage to face, you know, your past and face the limitations that have been caused by, you know, let's say early childhood trauma or you know, growing up without, you know, with a single parent or with no parents or doing, you know, even doing despicable things that you're so ashamed of that you're like, okay, some people can never recover from that. But hey, right. You know, we are not an event. We are, you know, much bigger than that. And we can change. And it's a choice. You know? Yeah, I think Zig Ziglar said the event doesn't define us. Yesterday was really yesterday. It's past. Today is a new day. <laughs> Mark, what as we get ready to wrap up the podcast, what would you tell us about capturing, I guess, youthfulness and mastering control of our body, as you've talked about already here, mindset, psyche, all of that, so that we can be maximum versions of ourselves? I mean, so many people get worn out as they get older, as we were talking about a little bit offline. You seem, you know, I could be mislabeling this, you know, you know yourself better than anybody, but you seem to internally get younger. I mean, at 50 something years old, it just seems like you're learning so much, you're pushing through so much, you, you're mastering so many things. How do you do it? How do you keep pressing the body and the yeah. mind more 
and keep recharging as you get older. I do think that you can get younger every year. I don't know what the limits are. Like, I, I'm not going to make some bold, crazy statement that, you know, we can be immortal or anything like that. But I do think, especially where we're going with technology, that, you know, we have the capacity to live well beyond 100 and even, you know, I'm thinking 150 to 200 years old with ease. But it requires a whole different way of living, you know. And so what I've tried to implement in my life, it's a number of things. And, I, and these aren't in any order, and this isn't like a training program, but they're all incredibly important. One is to fuel myself in a unique way. Like, so for, I eat a lot less than most people eat. I think that we've just, you know, we've been tricked into thinking we need a lot more food than we do need. And so, you know, today I've eaten essentially an ample, which is a, a product that I'm fully excited about. It's like a, a very, very healthy whole food meal in a bottle, which makes it very easy for me as a busy person to, um, you know, grab one and drink it through my, you know, before, during and after or after my morning workout. And now I've got, you know, that becomes has become my my breakfast and lunch. And then I eat light, right? So I eat less. I also intermittent fast. I don't eat anything from 7 p.m. ish to about, you know, 11, 10, 11 in the morning until after my workout or during. And then another thing is I eat a lot more fat. So I'm, I'm ketogenic most of the time, but not all the time. Yeah. And this has had an effect on my body to where, you know, I, I just don't have to spend as much energy digesting heavy foods. Now, it doesn't mean I don't have a steak every once in a while or whatnot, but... What is your typical diet to stay in the state of ketosis where you're, I mean, intermittent fasting gets you there, right? Intermittent what is fasting your... plus this ample, which has become a staple every day, one bottle of ample. And then I have, you know, like a paleo meal during the day with everything, fat, you know, fat, protein, and some carbohydrates. And I practice the 80-20 rule, meaning, you know, I, I'm not a strict dietitian. I think diets are a waste of time, but I generally eat whole foods. I eat less than most people want because I'm not hungry, but I don't, you know, avoid a pizza every once in a while. I think it's fine because it's fun. I don't, you know, I don't eat for pleasure, but once in a while it's like, okay, I'll have pizza and a beer because I'm out with my family and, and it's fun, you know. So that's one aspect is to eat really well, but don't be obsessive about it. But eat, I think the key thing there is to eat less and to fast intermittently and to take some days off where you just eat, you know, just drink fluids and let your body reset, you know? So you said today you've had ample, right. and I'll link that up in the show notes as cool. well. Yeah. Is that kind of your typical, I mean, you're a pretty ripped up dude, right? I mean, you don't maintain that type of muscle density not eating a ton of food, but at the same time, I know there's a ton of benefits recently for me in intermittent fasting and learning the benefits of that. Is that your typical day is you'll try to just eat as few, just as few things as possible and, and maintain that? Yes, but it's not hard and it's not so much conscious. It's just, I'm not hungry. It's weird. I think it, it's a training thing. You know, over the years, I've just, I work out really hard, but because I eat a lot of fat and I do the intermittent fasting and I've kind of trained my body to eat less food than other people, it doesn't mean that I'm a skinny, wirely little guy. I'm 195 pounds and I'm strong as an ox, but well, maybe not as an ox. I'm, and there's a lot of people stronger <laughs> than I am, but, but I maintain my strength and I can routinely, you know, compete with 20 year old CrossFitters or SEAL candidates, you know, and, and they'll beat me because that's they're 20, but I can still hold my own. I can, you know, sometimes I beat them when it's a stamina or longer thing. Because, you know, I do better on the longer stuff, but when it's a 12-minute wad, I'm not far behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, so that's one is the fueling. And the second is I train every day. Consistency of physical training, but the movements, it's like very CrossFit and SEAL Fit inspired. It's different every day. It's, it's intuitively led. You know, I used to use a training plan, but now... I don't need to. I, I can intuitively know what, what's going to work for my body, what movements I need to do, whether I need to go super short and tense or maybe a little bit more of a stamina, what strength movements I need to work on. And so, you know, I've, I've kind of mastered that to where I, I can do what I need to do. Now, the only thing that trips me up is when I travel, I've been doing a lot of travel. So I stay consistent with my movement when I travel, but that's when I do all the body weight in the Kokoro yoga and stuff. So that's number right. two. Third is the breathing practice. I honestly think this is probably the most, this is where everyone listening should start. You know, there's so much benefit uh, activating a daily box breathing practice. So I do box breathing at least twice a day, sometimes longer. And always when I travel and when I'm driving or doing things that are not, you know, repetitive type things, and I, I'm always practicing my box breathing. 
And that has amazing effect on stimulating your immune system and your parasympathetic system and just keeping you really focused. So that's critical. And then um, meditation, of course. Now, this I combine with my box breathing. So I'll start with the box breathing. And when I'm done, I'll just slide into a meditative practice, depending on what I'm working on. And that can include concentration, presence, aka mindfulness, or a visualization. And the, are you using an app or a system for that? No, what do no. you? I think an app can be a distraction for meditation. Yeah, I do use yeah. an app. We have an app for Unbeatable Mind for box breathing, so I use that. That's helpful. Is that public? Where yeah, people can find yeah, it? it's available. It's it's a partner of ours named Dave D'Souza created it. But if you search for box breathing or Dave D'Souza Unbeatable Mind, one of those in the in the app store, you'll find it. There is another app which I've always been a fan of too, and it's it's called um. It's made by Sagara, S-A-A-G-A-R-A. The Unbeatable Mind app has some gamification built in, so you can kind of track your progress and like attain a black belt. It's <laughs> 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 just pretty cool. So, and then, you know, I have a ritualized battle rhythm where I have a morning ritual and evening ritual to bookend the day. This is, comes from the one day, one life principle. And the morning ritual is when I do my box breathing and I do some meditation and I start every day with drinking, you know, 12 to 18 ounces of fresh water to kind of stimulate my electrical system and, to, you know, cleanse my system and to refuel, like top off the water. And then the most important thing, though, is that's when I check in with my personal ethos. So to develop a personal ethos, and this is another part of our training at Unbeatable Mind Academy, is that, you know, we develop a personal ethos that guides our behavior, becomes like a guardrail for us every day when the storms and the winds pick up and we get confused and we come back to our ethos and say, oh, yeah, that's right. That's who I am. And so that is a deep reflection on why you're on this planet, what your purpose is, and then clarity around how you're going to fulfill that purpose with passion. So I might think of my purpose is to be a warrior and leader, but how am I going to do that? For a while it was to be a Navy SEAL, but now I'm not a Navy SEAL. So how am I going to continue to be a warrior and a leader with passion? Well, it's through teaching these principles. And then speaking of principles, the third P is the principles that guide my behavior. And those are like our values, the value set of honor and courage and humility and discipline and commitment, right? Those are the things that I reflect upon every day and I build them into my mental you know, toolkit. And so every morning I reflect upon that and then I check in with my vision for the future so that I can remember the future and that future is full of power and, you know, victory, right? These are the practices. In the evening, the last thing I'll mention, the evening ritual is to look back at the day and say, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What did I learn? What do I need to continue to learn? And what's unfinished, unresolved, right? And then that allows for an incredible night's sleep, which is kind of the last component, which is to make sure that you're getting recovery. Sleep is critical. Recovery time from physical training is critical. So even though I train every day, it doesn't mean I'm training a hardcore metabolic, you know, intense wad every day. No, yeah. you know, I might do four of those a week. I might do one long, slow one. I might just do some active recovery yoga or a ruck or a swim, uh, you know, so I balance everything out. So you're getting tons of recovery time. So the yin and the yang. So you got to you know, work hard physically and then you take time off and restore with breath, with meditation, with imagery, with a float in the float tank or a massage. And I do all of that stuff. And boy, the combination of all that is just super powerful. And, you know, I do feel like every year I'm a little bit younger and a little bit stronger and a little bit more clear-headed. That's awesome. How much sleep are you getting each night, Mark? You know, I endeavor to get, to, you know, I would love to get to bed at 10, mm -hmm. but often that's that slides to 1030 or so. And then I'm, I'm awake by, you know, 630. So that means seven and a half to eight hours. And that's awesome. Usually the first four hours are the most important. So usually that's a pretty good chunk for me. And then sometimes I'll wake up and then go back to sleep again. You know, um, when I travel, you know, sleep is, is a challenge. So it's not always optimal. You know, I'm not saying I'm perfect again. Um, I, but you're I, fighting for it. I you're fight fighting for that. Yeah, I sleep is the one that is, I think every one of us struggle for it because we have so much distraction and so much electronic clutter and so much stimulus in our life. So, you know, I sleep really well when I unplug from it all for 24 hours. But when I'm plugged in, you know, you really got to protect your space, sleep space, completely black it out, 
Make sure it's cool. You should sleep in like 68 degrees. No electronics oh, yeah. in your room whatsoever. No ambient lights. No things buzzing or pinging. Your phone needs to go. This is funny because last night I've inadvertently left my phone in my room. And sure enough, my mom, who's on the East Coast, pinged me about my trip to Washington yesterday. I went to Congress, which was <laughs> fun, <laughs> and talked to some Congress people about the way oh, this nice. what a cool trip yeah but anyway she was all excited about that and she pinged me when she woke up which was three hours ahead of us so our, our phone my phone pinged at four o'clock and both my wife and i just woke up she was like stored your sleep yeah she was like ah i thought you were gonna leave the phone in the other room I'm like yeah screwed up didn't I? <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay mark as we get ready to wrap up the podcast here i'm gonna ask you a very deep question and i'm gonna i'm gonna force you to answer it very quickly because we're running out of time here um and i hate to do that but i want to get it in tell me about the person you've talked a lot about meditation and breathing and you know obviously you're a big proponent of that you believe in that but tell me about the person who doesn't feel like meditation or breathing is worth the time and what i mean by that is life is so busy that many times and i'm guilty of this but many times it takes you know though it's short the time it takes to do that is not worth the effort because you, you know, you don't see the feedback immediately. You go do a bicep workout for 45 minutes, your biceps, you've got the pump, you've got all that going. You can see a feedback there. Many times with meditation and breathing, there is no direct feedback from that. Yeah. But what you're doing, in my opinion, and I'm sure you would agree, you're setting up a, a habit that is a lifelong lifesaver habit. Talk to me about the person that doesn't feel like meditation or breathing is worth the time and what you've learned from that so that our listeners can get a lot from that. Because I think the majority of people out there are feeling that way, in my opinion. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I have a lot of people who express that to me because we are really busy, but that's part of the problem. If, you, if you're if you too busy, then you're doing too many things that you shouldn't be doing. The reality is it is hard, but just like anything else, when you started physical training, it was hard, but then it got easier when you and you had positive feedback. Same thing with, you know, concentration meditation training. It's it's hard work, but if you stick with it every day, then it gets easier. And then you start to see the positive benefits. Now, the positive benefits don't show up as quickly as the physical ones do if you do physical training. But they're there and they're demonstrable and they're measurable. And now, you know, fortunately, science is starting to really prove that for us. So you have the benefit of having all that scientific validation that I didn't have the benefit of back when I started meditating in 1985, meditation also doesn't need to be a Herculean task. It's much more effective to do five minutes a day every day than to do one two-hour session a week. So consistency of daily effort is key. And I will ask this, because when you said, what if someone poo-poos it or just doesn't think it's valuable? And I would say to them, if you're getting the unbelievable, incredible, fantastic, amazing results out of life that you know is possible. If you feel like you're 100% optimized as a human and you're wealthy, you've got $10 million in the bank and you've got an unbelievable body and you've got the perfect girlfriend or boyfriend and your kids are wonderful if you have them and everyone loves you. <laughs> if you are that person and you're doing it without meditating, just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, right. Absolutely. But if you're not, I don't know that person, by the way, I don't know. I don't know him either. Right. And so it's like it's like what Einstein said. If you expect different results by continuing to do what you're already doing, that's the definition of insanity. So why not try something different? Now, what I believe and based upon my experiences all the way from sailing through SEAL training, I, you know, I will 100 percent say that the reason that I dominated my buds class and graduated number one all those years ago is because I meditated diligently every day for four years prior to that training. And that, and did that, you have guys around you when you were doing that that thought it was just a waste of time? Well, it wasn't, even, didn't get it wasn't it. even anything that we talked was talked about. I had done it and I did it while I was at buds. Everyone else, I just, you know, everyone else just did their thing and uh, they didn't even know I was doing it, you know, cause I did it in my room in the morning and I would right. do it when I was on a run, you know, cause there's, it's meditation, is just a certain way you use your brain. And once you train your brain that way, then you can meditate, you know, like even the Buddhists teach a mindful walking is meditation and, and going on a long ocean swim, six hour swim. And, you know, for three hours of it, I was in deep meditation, but my body was still moving, you know, fast. And so right. it's really a way of using your brain that becomes extremely useful to you. And what you find is that 
Um, you develop the capacity to think better, to see things that other people don't see, to see patterns, to feel things that, that are people don't feel, to use your emotions, you know, for power instead of, you know, for debilitating yourself. Um, you're much more intuitive and instinctual. And so sometimes, you know, like I had experiences where like I really wouldn't be here today if I hadn't meditating. And, you know, one experience that I, you know, I often talk about, but I had many of these was, you know, one, one day I was walking up to the shooting range and I felt like someone put a hand on my shoulder and said, stop, Mark. And I stopped in my tracks. And as soon as I stopped, a nine mil round was accidentally discharged from a, a, a friend of mine you know, who was standing behind me. And it literally went right by my ear to where I could feel the wind. And, you know, that next step would have put my head right into the trajectory of that bullet. Oh. That was because I had taken the time to slow down clear my head and, and to meditate. And so when you do that, you know, your body mind system just starts to operate at a whole new level. And it's one, it's incredible. And what I'll say to finish this off is we are heading into a very, very dynamic and challenging time for business, for humans in general. And it's not going to change. It's not like we're going to go through it and come out the other side and things are going to be normal. Like this is just going to get faster and faster. And we're right at the bottom of the J curve in this age of acceleration it's already honest for people who are able to look into the future and see it, but it's going to hit most of humanity like a tsunami. And the only thing I can offer is that the skills that we talked about today will help you navigate it. It'd be, it's kind of like, like downloading new software and upgrading your consciousness so that you can be aware and navigate that complexity of that VUCA world, the volatile, uncertain, changing, and, and ambiguous world. And you're going to do it with grace and with humility like a warrior. Uh, such great lessons. Thanks so much, Mark, for your time. Absolutely. And I would just ask you one last thing as we wrap up here. Who are you learning from these days? Well, there's a lot of people. I think the most important person to learn from is yourself. And that's through the self-inquiry, self-awareness. You know, even on the, you know, the Oracle Delphi outside, it said, you know, be self-aware, essentially, to know thyself. So that's your, your biggest teacher is you. <laughs> The inner domain. Wow. But I'm also learning so from, uh, I'm learning about acceleration of technology through my friend Peter Diamandis, who um, has been, you know, a thought leader in that. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And I, I read a book which recently, which I think is extremely important and fascinating. And the author is an Israeli guy named Harari. And the book was called Sapiens. It's, it's uh, the uh, brief history of humanity, of the human race. And actually, he's just come out with a sequel called Homo, Homo Deus. I think it's called Homo Deus, which is basically the hit, history of the future, <laughs> the unwritten future. And it's really fascinating. <laughs> um, so I learned from those people. And I learned from, you know, the masters every, you know, there's not a day goes by where I don't learn from Patanjali and his yoga sutras or, you know, Paramahansa Yogananda when I pick up the autobiography of Yogi or reflect upon his teachings or my master Nakamura, who is in, you know, with me every day as a visual mentor, right? He's, he's not around me. He's back in New York. I'm in California, but his voice and his lessons are with me every day. So mentors can be very, can be live. They can be dead. You know, you can have known them or, or not. It doesn't matter because when you invoke them, you're going to learn from them. So those are some of the people that I continue to learn from today. And there, there are others, but those are the ones that popped in my head. And thanks so much for your time. Mark Devine, yeah. I hope you guys go out and uh, pick up his books, Unbeatable Mind, which was a huge game changer for me, as well as The Way of the Seal. I can't decide between either one of those, which one was better. I've made so many notes in both of those. Thank you. So uh, where can we steer more traffic your way, websites, social media, books, all of that to where we can learn more about all the things you talked about today, Mark? Yeah, well, you already mentioned the books. Those are great books to start with. The Way of the Seal is really my leadership book. And Unbeatable Mind is my philosophy, and all the training we talked about today is in that. And we have an online training called Unbeatable Mind Academy, which is unreal. Like, it's really, really good, and about 10,000 people are participating in that. That's at unbeatablemind.com. Seal Fit uh, continues to grow and, and inspire people to step up their game physically and mentally, so that's sealfit.com. Yeah, you guys are growing so much. Yeah, and we, you know, of course, we have the Facebook and the Twitter and all that, and just search either Seal Fit or Unbeatable. And if you're into the yoga, we have a wickedly cool free 30-day challenge at Kokoro Yoga. I don't, it, 
I think it is episodic, so we just closed it off. It, we did one in January, but we will be opening up more of it as an evergreen thing soon. So each one of those programs has a book. So Seal Fit's book is Eight Weeks to Seal Fit. That's a wickedly cool and, and challenging training program. And then Kokoro Yoga. We have a book called Kokoro Yoga. Kokoro means heart-mind. And that's yoga as a personal practice. So you can do yoga on the road or at home. Or if you're a busy exec, you learn how to do Kokoro Yoga. And then we have a video online program, you know, for, so you can just follow along different drills and yoga sequences for longevity, for post-workout recovery, for, you know, developing Jedi-like, you know, warrior skills and stuff like that. And just so my listeners know, where's the best place to find those things that you just mentioned? Unbeatable Mind. Dot com is where you'll find Kokoro Yoga on Real Mind, and then SealFit.com is where you'll find the uh, SealFit programs and Eight Weeks of SealFit. And your podcast as well. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. My team is keeping me busy, <laughs> so I got a podcast called Mark Devine's Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Great, great podcast, guys, listening out there. You should subscribe and uh, rate and review that podcast. It's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. It has been a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate the um, the work you're doing, Jared, and for having me on the show. And I wish all of your listeners the best of luck. And if there's anything else I can do to support you and them in your journey, then I stand by. Thanks so much, Mark. We wish you continued success and look forward to your uh, journey as you continue to dive into more of these mindset things and uh, ways that we can reach success. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Who you are. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey guys, what an awesome episode with Mark Devine. I hope you took as much away from that as I did. If you would like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to reach my team and I at info at success101podcast.com. Again, that is info at success101podcast.com. Or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Facebook page or on Instagram, my favorite form of social media, under the name at success101podcast. I hope you utilize the tools and techniques that Mark and I talked about, as well as engaging with his programs and strategies for yourself. And I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of the Success 101 podcast. Until then.